Let's turn this evening in God's Word to Judges chapter 6, please. Judges 6. I'd also like to bid you welcome this evening. And for those who have made the effort to come out on the treacherous roads, I know others probably cannot get out, but they're watching online. And we welcome you in the Savior's name and trust the Lord will meet with us even as we gather around His Word this evening. So Judges chapter 6, and we will commence our reading at verse 11. So let's hear the Word of our God. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Orphra, and pertained unto Joash Abiezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal, or wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. And the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is an Orphra of the Abbey Ezrites. Amen. We'll end there at verse 24, and we look to the Lord to bless his word to our hearts. Let's just unite in prayer, and let's seek the Lord as we gather around his word. Our Father and our God, we come before Thee in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank Thee for the one, the one who has accomplished redemption. We thank Thee, Lord, for Him who pleads our cause in heaven. We thank Thee that we do have an advocate. And Lord, we come to Thee in His name and upon His work. And Lord, I thank Thee for all who have gathered. Lord, those who have gathered in the building and others who have gathered online. And Lord, as we have come around Thy word, 
I pray that thou would give unto us and grant unto us that hearing ear. I pray, O God, that thou would open our hearts to the word and the word to our hearts. I pray, Lord, there'll be a word in season for thy people, a word to encourage them, a word to bless them, to instruct them, to reveal to them something more even about thee. O God, I pray and I ask for thy help and thy grace. O God, I pray that you would fill me with thy spirit. And Lord, I claim and I take the promised Holy Ghost. Lord, I have asked in faith and Christ has purchased, O God, all in that great covenant for me. And Lord, I pray that thou would bestow unto me what is mine, Lord, by blood-bought right. Lord, I pray that you would help me and that thou would wash me in the blood. And Lord, that thou would use me for thy glory and speak to thy dear people. And may thine own name be glorified and exalted even in our midst this evening. Help us, Lord, and do us good. We cast ourselves afresh to thee in all our weakness. For I pray this in the Savior's worthy and precious name. Amen. Now, it's been six weeks since we last considered one of the compound names of the Lord. Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies thee. And tonight we come to look at another, a name which is only found here in Judges chapter 6 and the verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Now we have noticed that God has progressively revealed himself to his people by identifying himself by different names at different times. God's names were given to man by God himself at a specific time of man's need so that you and I might know that our God, he is all in all. He is the all-sufficient to us. And the same is true with this name, Jehovah Shalom. Gideon and the nation of Israel were in a time of great need. Now at this point in Old Testament history, it is more than 200 years since God revealed himself to his people as the Lord who sanctifies thee. And if we go back to the end of chapter 1 of Judges, we find that, that God's people, they failed in disobedience in their disobedience to drive out the inhabitants of the land. But God was merciful to them because we read at the start of chapter 2 that he sent them a stern warning by the prophet, a stern warning to a compromised Israel. In chapter 2, he reminded them of how he had brought them out of Egypt and into the land of promise and that he required of them that, he, that they should walk in his ways. But they had refused to obey and the Lord asks them there in verse 2, chapter 2, Why have ye done this? And you know, that question convicted them. And they lifted up their voice and they wept unto their God. And yet that conviction was short-lived. For as soon as Joshua died, we read in verse 11, And the children of Israel, they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. You see, a new generation arose that did not remember God, who as, as Jehovah Jireh provided redemption from Egypt's bondage through the blood of the Lamb, and with great and mighty miracles and wonders brought them out from under the heel of Pharaoh. They had forgot how he had provided for them in the wilderness and furnished a table for them with meat and manna from heaven. They were no longer mindful of God as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who healeth thee, the one who both prevents and cureth illnesses and diseases. And they had suffered many defeats because they had turned from 
the one who is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my banner. They would not sanctify themselves to him who had sanctified them from the nations around about. But they corrupted themselves with their idolatries and their abominations. And because of this, the Lord sent chastisement upon them. As you're aware in the book of Judges, there are cycles which happen, seven cycles covering a period of 350 years, plus or minus 50 years thereabouts. The pattern that developed was the children of Israel, well, they did right that which was right in their own eyes. And that which was right in their own eyes was, of course, evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord would then deliver them into the hands of their enemies, and being in, under the hand of their enemies, they'd be brought into bondage and oppression. And then they would, in their distress, they would cry unto God. And they would turn to him again from their sin. In mercy and love, he would raise up a judge to bring them deliverance. But when that judge died, well, very quickly, they would soon forget the great I am. And round and round the cycle would go again. And we find ourselves at the beginning of that cycle here in chapter 6 and the verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. Seven years. And it was in this setting that God revealed himself to Gideon as Jehovah Shalom. And tonight I've entitled my message this evening as the Lord our peace. This is how the Lord revealed himself unto Gideon even in his time of need. The first thing I want us to consider is the background here. The background. Now we see from the end of chapter 5. That what we read here in chapter 6 had happened after a period of 40 years of rest. We read there the last line, and the land had rest 40 years. See, peace and prosperity in the land is a dangerous time for the people of God. God himself had warned through Moses that a time in which there's peace and prosperity, it's a time when his people, they are to beware lest they forget the Lord their God. And that's exactly what they did. They forgot the Lord their God. And that's what we read in verse 1. They committed evil in the sight of the Lord. And so he delivered them into the hand of Midian for chastisement. Now what is interesting is this, this name Midian, it means strife, contention, and brawling. And that's what, exactly what Israel experienced in those seven years under the oppression of the Midianites. The rest was taken from them. And instead of peace, the Israelites, they were filled with fear and anxiety. And you know, that's one of the effects of sin. Remember, it was when Adam sinned and heard the voice of God that he ran and he hid himself because he was afraid. Peace, or, or sorry, sin brought fear and anxiety into the heart of Adam. Now the Midianites, we read, we didn't take the time, but they forced Israel from their homes and forced them into the hills and the caves. And every year at harvest time, they would come and they would invade Israel's fields. They would ravish the land and leave nothing, no food or livestock for the sustenance of God's people. Not only were the crops and the livestock taken from them, but so was their peace. They were a people who were stressed and in distress. In Psalm 106 and verse 43, 
we read that they were brought low. They were brought low for their iniquity. You know, those words brought low in the Greek, the Greek, Greek Septuagint, it tells us, or that word, it's a word that means to lead a life of a beggar. And that's what they were brought into. A beggarly existence. And here we have the children of the king in a land of plenty that flowed with milk and honey. And yet because of their stiff-necked disobedience, they were reduced to live like paupers in fear and trepidation of their lives. Now why did they live in constant distress? Why were they not at peace? Why were they not at rest? Well, it's because of their continued idolatry. They acted holy. They acted holy before God, offering up their prayers. They were weeping. They were offering their intercession. But, you know, as soon as their prayer meeting was ended, they went back to their altars of Baal. Now, how do I know that or why do I say that? Well, through those seven years of the raids of the Midianites, Gideon's father, Joash, well, he kept an altar to Baal in his backyard. Now, we read there that they did cry. They did cry because of their affliction, verse 6. But they've been better crying and cutting. Crying unto God and cutting down their altars unto Baal. You see, they were two-faced in their worship. They were hypocrites. They gave lip service to the Lord while they paid tribute to another God. And you know, this is something that you and I, we need to guard against. We come in here, we cry unto God because of our oppression and the bondage of our enemies, but maybe we just go back then, after we do that, to the altars of Baal. This is something we need to examine our own hearts by. Especially as we live in days in which we have little or no rest from the devourer. And where the old enemy has come in to oppress us and he, he swarms over the land like, a, like, a, a, like locusts. We need to be careful that we're not guilty of some altar of Baal set up in the backyard of our hearts. Something we need to examine ourselves by. But God sent them a prophet as we read in verses 7 to 10. And he did this to expose the people's sin. You see, sin had to be dealt with because it was their sin that was a destroyer of their peace. And then we read in verse 11, and we read that account tonight that the Lord appeared unto Gideon. Now there's much can be brought, drawn out of this, but just to summarize, in this dialogue that ensues, the angel of the Lord, which we know to be that pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God, assures Gideon of his presence. But Gideon, he queries this because he can't quite square that truth with what he observes in the land. Maybe he did not realize that it was the people who had forsaken God by their sin and not God who had forsaken them. But Gideon, he was commissioned for the task of delivering the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites, and he could scarcely believe that because in his own eyes he was so insignificant, but God gave him the strength to do what he had commanded him. And that's something we always need to remember. God will give us the strength to do what he has commanded of us. Gideon in the end seeks confirmation of the matter by preparing an offering, which is consumed by fire immediately after which the angel of the Lord 
disappears. And at this Gideon knows that he has met face to face with God and his heart is filled with trouble. Here's a man and he has no peace. His heart is filled with trouble. He feels he must die for no man shall see God and live. But then the Lord comes to him with these assuring words in verse 23. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Yes, he had seen God, but he had seen God in the person of the mediator. He had seen God in the person of the messenger of the covenant, the one, the only begotten of the Father, who hath declared God. And it was after hearing those comforting words, peace be unto you, Fear not that Gideon built an altar of memorial. And he called the name of it Jehovah Shalom. You see, he was in these circumstances of strife. And under the oppression of the enemy that God appeared to Gideon as Jehovah Shalom. Now Shalom, as you well know, it is that word, that greeting, that farewell that the Jews still use today. And the Hebrew word from which we get shalom. It means to be complete or to be, to be sound, to be whole. And it's one of the most significant words in the Old Testament. It has various shades of meanings, and those meanings can be grouped into four categories. Number one, a wholesomeness of life or body. Number two, a right relationship or harmony between two parties or people. Number three, prosperity, success, or fulfillment. Number four, victory over one's enemies or absence of war. Now, though there is no single word in the English that can truly convey the richness of this Hebrew word, shalom, it is translated over 170 times in the Old Testament as peace. And therefore the word or the compound name, Jehovah Shalom, has come to be understood as the Lord is peace. Or the Lord our peace. And that's the, re- that's the background to the revelation of this name. The second thing I want to think about this evening is the basis of God's peace. The basis of God's peace. You see, peace expresses the deep desire and need of the human heart. It represents the greatest measure of contentment and satisfaction at life. To be at peace, as one might say. But peace was forfeited by Adam and Eden, Eden when he transgressed and rebelled against God. And it's as such the sinner, they do not know peace. The Bible makes that abundantly clear over and over again. Twice in Isaiah, we read of God saying, there is no peace to the wicked. Again in Isaiah, we're told that the way of peace, they know not. That's the wicked. We also read there in Isaiah that they're compared to the troubled sea which cannot rest. And sinners, they are estranged from God. They are at enmity with Him. And because of that, they possess such a soul of discontent that it's expressed not only against God, but also against their fellow man. There's no peace in this world. In the natural sense, or man in his natural condition. Historians have suggested that since 
3,600 BC, the world has only known 292 years of peace. During that period, there's been 14,351 wars in which 3.64 billion people have been killed. Since 650 BC, there's also been 1,656 armed races, only 16 of which have not ended in war. The remainder ended an economic collapse of the countries involved. More than 8,000 peace treaties have been made and broken. Peace is elusive to sinful man and he needs to be reconciled to God if he's ever to know peace in his soul and peace in his life. And in this portion we have set before us by type the basis of God's peace. In verses 18 and 19, Gideon, he prepares a kid on leaven cakes and some broth. And he uses the word there in verse 18 to bring forth his present. It's a word that's also translated elsewhere in Scripture as offering. Now whether Gideon, he intended the divine visitor to partake of a feast and thereby give a sign, a sign that he... This, this was all true and, and he was to deliver Israel. Or whether it was an offering that he actually brought unto God, well, I do not know. But what we do know is what God told him to do with it in verse 20 and then what happened to it in verse 21. God, the angel of the Lord, he told him to place it upon the stone, the kid and the unleavened cakes. And the broth was to be poured out. And then the angel of the Lord touched that with his staff. And the whole thing was consumed by fire. And here we have happening what I suspect had been neglected by national Israel in their apostasy. The burnt offering along with the meal offering being offered and consumed with fire. You see, the burnt offerings, they were the sacrifices of propitiation in ancient Israel. And for God to maintain his justice, he must punish sin. And to forgive just the expense of his just wrath, that would be inconsistent with his character. We thought about that on Sunday night. According to his holiness, those who have sinned, they must die. Yet if his justice is satisfied, his wrath is removed, therefore that fellowship and communion between the Creator and man can once again be established. Those burnt offerings, as you well know, they were only temporary. They were only temporary and they only accomplished propitiation for that little while under the old covenant. The meal offering. It was the sacrifice of thanksgiving for the mercies of God and it was always offered along with the burnt offering at the time of the morning and evening sacrifice. And I believe at this time, at this juncture in history, this was something that was neglected by national Israel. But here we have, and again, reenacted by Gideon and by the angel of the Lord. God testified of the acceptance of the offerings by sending fire. And in public, in the case of Moses and Elijah, that fire, that fire, it came down from heaven. But in private, 
In the case of Manoah and his wife, we find here as well in the case of Gideon that that fire, that fire and that flame came up. But whether it descended from heaven or whether it came up from the ground in private, it was always, it was always a mark of God's acceptance of the offering. And it was on the basis of the offering that God said to Gideon, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. You see, the basic idea underlying all the various translations of shalom is a harmony of relationship or a reconciliation based upon the completion of a transaction, the payment of a debt, the giving of satisfaction. And the name Jehovah Shalom, it finds its fullest expression and realization in the New Testament when he who is the Prince of Peace came to effect peace between God and sinners by doing just that, by paying the debt, by the completion of a transaction, by the satisfaction of a divine standard, he paid the price by the shedding of his blood. Christ is the grounds of our peace with God. Even before his birth, Zacharias, he announced that the day spring from on high had visited God's people to guide our feet in the way of peace. When Christ was born in Bethlehem, the angels came to the skies and they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He has accomplished peace for his people and reconciled them unto God. And that's what the apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they are things in earth or things in heaven, and you who are sometime alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Peace was lost. It was lost because of the unrighteousness of the first Adam. It is reestablished by the righteousness of the last Adam. And you know, that's the order. First righteousness and then peace. And both the Old and the New Testament, they witness to that. Isaiah said, the work or the fruit of righteousness is peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. At the cross, righteousness and peace, they kissed each other. That mysterious figure, Melchizedek. Well, how is he described? First, the king of righteousness. And after, the king of Salem or the king of peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because his righteousness is imputed to us. The wicked have no peace because they have no righteousness. All their righteousness are as filthy rags. Christ, he preached peace. He promised peace. He could say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give thee rest. He often said to those whom he healed, go in peace. He said to his disciples before his death, peace I give unto you. 
Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The first words, words he spoke to his disciples after he rose from the dead and stood in the midst of them in John 20, verse 19, was peace be unto you. Peace is everywhere spoken of in the New Testament as from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. The basis of God's peace is the sacrifice of Christ who was not consumed as all the other Old Testament sacrifices, he was not consumed by the fiery indignation of God, but rather he extinguished it by the shedding of his precious blood. Gideon was at peace with God, and God revealed himself to be the God of peace, a peace established by a sacrifice, and that is why that is why Gideon called that altar of memorial Jehovah Shalom. Brethren and sisters, it's good. It's good to have peace with God. It's our possession. To know that God is not angry with you. He's not angry with me. That his condemnation no longer hangs over us. Christ is our peace. As we're told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, the basis of God's peace is the atoning sacrifice. And we have it here by type in this chapter. So we have thought about the background and the basis, but finally tonight, I want to think about the blessing of God's peace. The blessing of God's peace. As you know, the Bible speaks of peace with God and the peace of God. And it's only when peace with God is established that peace of God can be enjoyed. Enjoyed. Now there are certainly blessings associated with God's peace and I just want to give three of them to you briefly, briefly tonight. They who know peace with God and experience the peace of God, they will enjoy firstly stability. They will enjoy stability, the blessing of stability. Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Or we could read it like this, Nothing shall cause them to stumble. You see, those who love the Lord, they love the law. And they will have calmness of mind. They will not be troubled and they will not be anxious because the Word of God is their guide. If they follow the Word of God, then they will have a sure footing for their pathway as they go through life. They will have stability. But secondly, they'll also have security. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will be a sentinel to your soul and to your mind. It will garrison your thoughts so that you will not become troubled. He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on Him, you will know stability. You will know security. But thirdly, you will also know serenity. Listen to the words of the psalmist. Psalm 4 verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. You know, what price can someone put in a conscience that is at peace with God? 
You know, there are many in this world and they're restless in their soul. They're wrecked with their nerves. And they cannot get a good night's sleep because of an accusing conscience which brings with it a sense of God's judgment. As Matthew Henry said, what peace can they who... What peace can they have who are not at peace with God? The blessings that come to us, stability, security, serenity. Maybe, dear brother and sister, there's something. There's something that's troubling you. Maybe there's an agitation in your soul tonight. Well, in the words of the Apostle Paul, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace. May the one who spoke to the winds and the waves and the sea of Galilee, may he bring a great calm to your soul this night, for he is, he is Jehovah Shalom. Thomas Watson, he made the comment, if God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there is a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create trouble and peace. But God can create peace in trouble. Gideon was fearful and fretful. But God came and God revealed himself unto him as Jehovah Shalom. And I did say at the start of this study, way back, the premise of this is not just to simply gain intellectual knowledge, but it's to help us in prayer. To know who our God is as he's revealed himself to us by these different titles, by these compound names of Jehovah. And then to apply that in our prayers. To ask him, you're the God of peace. You're the God who is my peace. You're the God who has made peace through the blood of Christ's cross. And I'm coming to you in prayer. And my heart is troubled. My soul is agitated over a certain thing. God, give me peace. Give me a settled disposition in my heart. Garrison my heart. Give me that serenity so I can go to bed at night. That's how we take this knowledge off our God. And we utilize it in prayer. And we call upon Him whatever troubles you, whatever's lying ahead in the future. And it causing that agitation in your soul. You go to Him and you say, Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. Grant unto me that peace. That peace of soul, that peace of heart and peace of mind. Because I am at peace with you through Christ. That's how we take these names. Just as we take the name Jehovah Jireh. Lord, I need something that's not agreed, but it is a definite need. Lord, you said you would provide. Lord, I need healing. You are Jehovah Rapha. Lord, make me holy. You are Jehovah M. Kadesh. It's how we take these names and we take them to him in prayer. You say you have revealed yourself to me as the Lord who, who is my banner, who is my provider, who is my sanctifier, who is my healer, who is my peace. Lord, you are my all in all. You are all sufficient for me. Meet me at the point of my need. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for his own name's sake. Let's bow 
in prayer tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bow before thee and we thank thee for who thou art. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And we thank thee for the basis of our peace with thee, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee, Lord, we thank thee for that great propitiatory sacrifice. We thank thee for his precious blood and the cross work and the satisfaction that he rendered unto thy divine justice. And we thank thee, Lord, we're at peace with thee. And therefore, we do enjoy the peace of our God. We thank thee that it is the fruit of the Spirit. We come to thee, O Father, and we pray that having that peace, that we would be stable in our Christian walk, that we would know the security upon our minds and our hearts, and that we would experience the serenity of what it is to lie down and sleep at night, pillowed upon the love of our God. Bless the word, O God. We pray that you'll encourage your dear people's heart. We're often troubled. We're often perplexed. We're like Gideon. We hide ourselves even from the enemy. But God, come to us and reveal thyself to be Jehovah Shalom. And we pray, O God, that thou would settle our hearts. We thank thee that thou art in control. Bless us, Lord, as we sing the praise. And then as the announcements are made and we get down to prayer. For I ask this all in Jesus' precious and lovely name. Amen.